you for taking time to listen to this sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church and of our campus in Lexington, Kentucky. It is our prayer that as you listen today, you will be encouraged, challenged, and equipped to be all God has for you. We invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock a.m. at our Todd's Road campus near the Hamburg area of Lexington. flower is this? Okay. Tulip. It's a helpful device for remembering good theology. A tulip. There's a simple acronym that tells us five points of Wesleyan theology that that if you understand them, you know uh, the core secrets of God. Right? Okay? Can you go with me for an acronym? T. We are totally depraved. It's a good way to start, right? I'm seeing a few of you pucker your lips. This, this is the starting point of wonderful Wesleyan theology. We are totally depraved and have no possibility of goodness in our lives outside of the work of God. Susan is disturbed by this Wesleyan theology that we are totally depraved and incapable of anything good outside of God's action. Okay, so we got our tea, right? Be helpful about a whiteboard up here, um, but we've got our T, and we have our U, which is uh, unlimited. See, I always get this one right. Unlimited election. This follows right after our total depravity that God is the only one who can choose who uh, receives His goodness, His grace and mercy. That God is going to know uh, before the foundations of time and going to pour out upon us, uh, a chosen people, His grace. And just those chosen people. We can do nothing to earn it. We can do nothing to receive it. That's our you. L of of the tulip for great Wesleyan theology. Limited atonement. God only picks certain people to go to heaven. God has willed before the, uh, the foundation of time that one person will go to heaven and one will go to hell. Mm, I hear a what back there. But this is great West End theology. I, irresistible grace. There's nothing you can do once God chooses you and God begins to lavish his grace upon you. There is nothing you can do to flee from God's grace. You can't say no. God has, pre, he has prepared and, and given you this grace that you can say uh, nothing to but yes. So we have T-U-L-I of great Wesleyan theology, and then we have P, the perseverance of the saints. This uh, colloquially might be called once saved, always saved. Once you say yes to Jesus, there's nothing you can do to kind of flee backwards from that, right? Tulip, great Wesleyan theology, right? No, somebody said no, who was that? Kathy? Okay, Kathy said no. Some of you have a look like I'm not sure. Tom, would you pass me on the Board of Ordained Ministry? No. Oh. So, tulip. Sometimes we sound like tulip is our theology hospital room. God had a plan, God did this for a reason. We can. 
uh, sometimes feel this like when things in life align and we're finally getting uh, the place we want to be, God had a plan and God worked this all out. And tulip theology is great for that. Is it our theology? Those are, those are timid, head shakes, side to side, no. Carrie is moving her head so minutely, I'm not sure Betty Jo knew she was doing it, but I could see it. Is tulip our theology? No! It's your Southern Baptist friends theology and the Presbyterian friends theology. It is not our theology. Tom should rightly not accept anybody who comes before the Board of Ordained Ministry and talks about any of these except for one. T-U-L-I-R-P, which one would you say we Wesleyans would hold to and agree with our Southern Baptist friends about? I heard a K. There is no K in Tulip. <laughs> P? All right, Kathy, you said P, and you, you kind of leaped out there, but then you maybe started to doubt yourself, didn't you? Nope? Okay, so Kathy is, gonna, Kathy is arguing for P. Does anybody else think it's a different letter? What was that, Jake? T. T? There was some doubtful T, like question marked with one letter. So we have uh, Kathy arguing for P. Jake has suggested up here in his fancy robe that uh, T might be the one. What letter do you think it is? It's T, okay? We can agree with our Southern Baptist friends and our Presbyterian friends and our Young Restless and Reformed friends and our non-denominational friends who are actually Baptist friends, that we are totally depraved. Our theology can agree right there that outside of God's grace, we could never choose good for ourselves. We could never uh, choose a way to salvation. So we agree there. But the U, the L, the I, and the P, no way, no how, okay? Because we as, as Methodists, what do we believe in? Back, somebody said backsliding. <laughs> Georgia Stamper, that was you, I love it. Backsliding. We do believe you can backslide. We, we, we with, the, with the author of Hebrews 6, do believe that at some point, if we're not moving forward in our faith, we're moving backwards, and you can go backwards enough in your faith that you can actually lose your salvation and need another justification moment. So, uh, so we, we aren't persevering. Uh, what do we believe in, then? If, if backsliding works, what, what is the catchphrase for Methodist theology? Somebody say free will. Thank you. Tom, say it louder. Jay. Free will. Free will. Right? You've heard this all growing up. The Baptists believe in predestination. We Methodists believe in free will, right? Carrie's shaking her head a little more pronounced than she was shaking it side to side. We believe in free will is the language we will always use. I want to suggest that we reframe that. Wesley never once talked about free will. Wesley talked about free grace. There's a difference, right? Can I get two volunteers that don't mind coming and standing up front? Come on, Hudson. Come on, Wesley. Oh, I'll get you next, okay? All right, so Wesley, do you want to be an orthodox theologian or a heretic? Be the heretic. Stand over here. Actually, I'm going to do this backwards. Stand over here. All right, Hudson, you are our orthodox theologian. 
You've heard of one of these people and you have probably not heard of the other. This is on the bulletin board in, or the whiteboard in room 10. We worked on this Wednesday night. We're going to talk about the divine human synergism and where we as Methodists fall. Divine human synergism, if you're taking notes at home, the divine human synergism. So Hudson up here uh, is representing the Bishop of Hippo, Augustine, our orthodox theologian who took upon himself the job of kind of shutting down all the heretics of his day. And he had one at every decade. He had a good heretic he was fighting. Augustine gave us what becomes our good tulip theology. For most of his life, Augustine uh, would be what we would call uh, just a Catholic in terms of their faith, this, this broader held by the church universal. Uh, but as he got older, he became the, the kind of the father of tulip. God alone uh, does everything. We are so depraved, there is any, nothing we could ever do. God, of course, predestines who will be saved. God predestines uh, the events of the future, and God predestines who will burn in hell. This is frankly, the theology. It's not always that comfortable to talk about it, but that is the theology, the official theology of our Southern Baptist friends and our Presbyterian friends. Augustine had a little neighbor in the town down the road who was also a priest. Meet Reverend Pelagius. Nobody has heard of him, have you? Unless you've been in a Wednesday night study with me, you have not heard of Pelagius. Uh, He did not quite become as famous as Augustine of Hippo. He had a different philosophy or theology of God's activity. God wound up the world. He kind of began the things of creation and let it go. And then humanity was responsible for everything else. Foundationally, we can choose if we are good or bad. We can move from good to bad. We can move from bad to good. We can choose our way uh, to salvation. We can choose our way to hell. And then God will get back involved at the end of time. Okay? I want to put a little more distance between you. You go to the end of the two? All right. A little farther, Hudson. We need need a lot of distance between the orthodox founder of Tulip Theology and the heretic Pelagius. Pelagius was resoundly affirmed as a heretic. Uh, If you believe this theology, you are no longer within the the one holy and apostolic church. Okay? Camden, we're getting ready to confirm you, aren't we? So you should know our theology at this point. At this point, there is one church. At this point, there is the one holy and Catholic apostolic church. Uh, Sorry, that's a good point. This is about 400 and something A.D. Uh, We have not split into the East and West Church yet. That's going to be like 600 years down the road. Uh, And then we haven't split for the Reformation yet. So at this point, we are all little C Catholic or big C, whatever the C is that gets you an asterisk in your bulletin. We are all one church at this point. We have not split at all. Bill's laughing. He has talked about this asterisk for four years I've been here. Um, It was one church. We hadn't split over anything. Nobody had had their fights yet. Uh, we just, they just did the work of dealing with heretics, and things just kept going. <sighs> Pelagius, definitely a heretic. Resoundly so. Uh, unaffirmed. And the only people who have cared about Pelagius since then are people who talk about Augustine and his arguments with Pelagius. Okay? Camden, you volunteered to help. All right. So, I am dead center between the heresy of Pelagianism 
and the, uh, the orthodox theology of Augustine later in life. It's a little different than the theology of the One Holy Catholic Apostolic Church, but it's, it's orthodox. You might call it a little fundamentalist, but it's there. So you've been, you're going through confirmation, you and your buddy Sam, we've got Edie and Piper, and, and y'all are going, and you're studying all this, and so somewhere in there are the Methodists, right? I am dead center between the two. Uh, we do everything, down here, everything. We, we choose everything with our free will. We can do whatever we want, uh, which is a heretic. The closer you get to him, the more likely it is that you're a heretic. And then we have Augustine down here, who's he's pretty fundamentalist, but... Um, who has been held as orthodox. Where do you think we Methodists would go in terms of God's activity and, and our activity? Do we go more down towards him, more down here, or right here in the center? Hmm. Right here, okay. Sam, we're confirming you too. Okay, do you think, are you gonna stand with your, with your buddy right there, or are you gonna pick a different spot in the divine human synergism as to where Methodists would land uh, in terms of our understanding of, of humans' activity versus God's activity? The middle feels really safe right now, doesn't it? Okay. <laughs> Bill Mattingly. He's been through the class. If he gets this wrong, it's still great. We have lots of grace here in the Methodist Church. Oh. Oh, oh wait. Hmm. <laughs> you ever play that game, getting colder with your, your friends? He is getting colder. I would, I would, <laughs> he's getting colder. Okay, Bill has stood where I think most Methodists would put ourselves. If we're being honest, we talk about free will a lot, right? Uh, we talk about it so much that we have landed at this place where we do most of the things and God occasionally steps in, right? Okay, still a heresy. I need you to go on the other side of these guys, Bill. On the other side. Okay. Okay, yeah, y'all, y'all go over there with Bill. <laughs> so anything from here over is heresy. Because we all agree on the tea of tulip. We are totally depraved. There is nothing uh, in us as part of sinful Adam's race that we could choose good outside of God's grace. So anything from here over is sinful. And now we have to deal with this side. Y'all are still wanting to cling towards the middle. This, this, this at this point is fairly fairly middle ground, I'm going to suggest that you three need to come right down here. Come on. Come on. We can get a little closer to, West, to, to Hudson. All right, so right about there is actually where Orthodox and Wesleyan th theology align. We're just a little bit away from Hudson. We're just far enough away to not be Southern Baptists or Presbyterians. We are, we are far enough along to be with the one holy and Catholic apostolic church that is reaffirmed in Wesley's sermons and the articles of religion to which we hold, which say we are totally depraved, incapable of anything good on our own outside of God's free grace. What's the special Wesleyan grace we always talk about? Provenient grace. That is, that is the key to this whole ball of wax. And this little gap between Hudson and these guys 
is prevenient grace. This is the place where God is going before us, the place where God is choosing us, the place where God is lavishing grace upon every single person, and that's why there's a gap between them, because Augustine down here says God lavishes grace only on those people he is predestined to salvation. The one holy and Catholic apostolic church and the Wesleyans said, no, God lavishes his grace upon everybody, and once that grace is working in us, we can choose to receive that grace, okay? I'm good. I can roll with that. That's our theology, okay? We have the T, and then we have provenient grace. Does it make sense so far? And I'm aware of the time. This little activity took a little longer than I planned, but it's important. Okay, you guys can sit down. You can sit down. You can all sit down. It's important for us to talk about our theology because it matters with everything in our lives. If we are standing down there with Augustine or Hudson, God does have a plan and God has willed who is getting hit in the car accident and who is going to heaven and who is going to hell. If we're standing down here with Wesley, we're a bunch of heretics who think we can do it on our own and we've earned our own salvation. We have a spot where God is always going before us and then allows us to respond to his grace. That's, that's the whole answer for confirmation banquet. If we, if, we, if we pull you two tonight at the confirmation banquet, that is the answer. We are totally depraved, and yet God lavishes every one of us with provenient grace, allowing us to respond to him. Next time you hear somebody talk about God chose X, Y, or Z, or God chose this or that, think deeply about if that's actually what you mean, or if you have to wrestle deeper. David had done nothing to earn God's anointing. He was the runt of the seven. He was the uh, least desirable, though it does turn out he's handsome. At least he's handsome and tan, that's what the text tells us. Uh, But otherwise, he is not the desirable king, and God lavished him with grace first. God anointed him, and then Samuel re-anoints him, but God is the one who has chosen David to receive grace. Old Testament stories seem pretty uh, particular moments where God calls people, right? We, we hear of a, a calling of the nation where God is giving them all grace and then specific callings. We tend to forget that God called the people of Israel and, and, uh, and, and called all of them to life in him and they could choose to respond or not. In our gospel story today, we get this man who's been blind since birth and they're trying to trap Jesus and all that's going on and Jesus comes and heals the man What did he do to earn that healing? What? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Uh, The reason I made Darren read 742 verses is you have to get to the end of the story to see that it's at the very end, after he is like in trouble with the religious authorities, that he believes and he worships. Jesus didn't say, hey, dude, get your life straight, and, uh, and I'll give you some grace. He lavished that grace first, and then came belief and worship. I've been struck with Psalm 23 all week. Brad and I were talking about how do you turn Psalm 23 into a kid's message. Frankly, it's kind of sometimes hard to turn into an adult message, too, because Psalm 23 is very much our funeral psalm. We do it at every funeral, and it is this great uh, companion in our times of grief and lament. 
Both, both my parents' death, funerals had this psalm. Every, um, literally every funeral I've ever done has had this psalm. It is, it's our death psalm, because the Lord is my shepherd. But I've been so struck by the last part of the psalm this week, this uh, idea that surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That's how it is in the translation you're familiar with, right? Does anybody remember what the King James said? Is that right? Yes? Okay. Surely tov, goodness, and chesed, mm, it's this word of, uh, it's so much, mm. what do we say about chesed? Who was that? Oh man, divine loving kindness will follow me all the days of my lives as if God is some puppy dog trailing behind you. I would like to offer surely Tov and Hesed will pursue me all the days of my life. This is not uh, a sweet saccharine uh, follow you wherever and sit at your knees. It is go through the muck and mire to be with you, to come after you, to go where you are going, to trample through what you are trampling and be there. Surely, no matter how deep Adam's sin is in you and no matter how deep your chosen sins are in you, God is pursuing you with his grace. Whether it's provenient grace down here at the very end and you don't have a clue yet how much God loves you and you are waiting for that day and you don't even know it, God is pursuing you. If you have said, yes, Jesus, I invite you into my heart, I repent of my sins, I seek to live in peace with you, and you have been justified and regenerated, God is pursuing you with goodness and what? Divine love and kindness. I, I really like that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal that once I can remember it. Uh, he is pursuing you. And if you are one step from saint... You are, you are crossing the sanctification journey and, and you are on your deathbed heading towards glorification. God is pursuing you with his grace. There is nowhere you can go to escape that grace and God is so loving that he is not going to force you to take it. I get tulip theology. It solves some problems because then God is just a mystery who does whatever. Our theology is better. God follows you wherever you're going and then allows you to respond to his hesed and divine love and kindness. That's, that is so much better than uh, covenant faithfulness, which tends to be my shorthand. Our theology is better and we need to offer it to the world. We need... We need to take the young, restless, and reformed and let them go do what they want with their theology. The world needs to hear about a God who loves you and pursues you enough to let you choose to respond. A God who is comfortable meeting you in the muck and mire wherever you are and then following you all the way to new creation. Our theology is better. We need to claim it and we need to believe it. Amen? I felt weepy all week. I'm just going to take an aside. Normally at this point I would start preaching. I have been near tears all week since worship last week. If you had told me on the second Sunday of, Ad, of Lent in 2020 uh, where we would be today, I'd have thought, no. Our attendance is down. Um, we've had this and we've had that. 
I am rejoicing with the angels in heaven at where this church is. Friends, there are some of you who don't know each other. There are some of you who have been here for the 16 years we've been open, and some of you who have been here barely 16 hours. God is pursuing us in the midst of everything that is happening here. We had not one parking space available last week. As people are beginning to find their home where they become family and God's grace infuses a love that is not available outside these walls. Friends, God is doing some amazing things here. I've been weepy because I've watched what some other churches in town have done and what they have said and the way they have framed things. They're just not true. And I've watched our church walk through this together and seek ways to love together and to live together. I've been in small rooms with you. I have been in living rooms with you. I have been in worship with you. And I am excited about how God is pursuing the people of Andover. If you're not excited about what God is doing at Andover right now, I'd love to talk to you more and to pray with you about how you can be excited about what God is doing. Because God is doing a mighty work here that is different and powerful and it's pursuing. I'm watching you, I'm watching you know God's love and God's mercy. I'm watching you know God's goodness and God's divine love and kindness. I don't know what I want to say beyond that. I love you dearly. And I hope you love your church dearly. I hope you are finding new ways to love each other dearly in a world that, um, that needs it. I'm, I'm going to stop rambling because I'm aware that it's afternoon. Um, there's a terrible podcast that my kids love called Smash Boom Best. Uh, and there's another one called Brains On, and they're just terrible. They're, they're, not, they're not pleasant to me. <laughs> They're a little saccharine sweet, but one of the, the episodes this week was, uh, why do we have friends? And they were missing some pieces in there because they didn't have the language to talk about what spiritual friendship is and what it is to have a relationship with one another where the Spirit of God is at work pursuing us together. Our lives are different because God met us in our total depravity because God chose to lavish each one of us and then follows us whether we choose to follow him or not.